Welcome to the Pitch Vision Academy Cricket Show. This is your guide to better cricket. You might be a coach, you might be a player, but uh, we are here to help you for a little while to talk about the game, to talk about playing it, to talk about coaching it, and hopefully come up with a few ideas that maybe you haven't thought of or reinforcing some things that you thought might be true in the first place. Or, or maybe just... Uh, making you shake your fist at your uh, at your podcast playing device in anger at how ridiculous we can be. My name's David Hinchliffe, I look after things, and helping me to help you are two very fine cricket coaches. The first is the director of cricket at Millfield School, it's Mark Garraway. Hello, Garras, how's it going? Yeah, good, thank you. I've got a roller out on the pitch doing its oh, cross lovely. rolling. Yeah, so uh, that's very exciting. Um, yeah, so... Things are sort of happening. Our new cover has arrived. Again, I'm probably not as excited about that as our grand staff are, but, you know, <laughs> if it all helps, then that's grand. Uh, if it makes yeah. a good pitch, then you're in. Not long, are we, eh? Not long. No, exactly. No, we were cutting and rolling the square uh, the other day as well, so um, it's getting very... Uh, it's lovely, isn't it? ...exciting everywhere. Actually actually got someone outside to have a bowl the other night, so only on the outfield. But, um, you know, he's actually coming off his full run, so we're all very excited. The other coach on the show today, last but definitely not least, it's the head of cricket performance at Portsmouth Grammar School at Sam Lavery. Hello, Lavers. How are you? Very well, thanks, David. Um, enjoying a good week. Lots going on. Nearly there. Everyone's getting a little bit excited. Everyone's getting a little bit keener to uh, to get outside. And we've had a couple of opportunities to get out now, which is lovely. So, um, yeah, we're, we're nearly there, which is uh, really encouraging. Who's going who's gonna to bowl the first ball in anger? Which... Um... Which corner of the world is going to get that? Is going to get that first of, of out of the three of us? Who's got their first game? Oh, Gareth's got to be. Probably, probably in a week, is it, Gareth? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but but only but only if uh, the weather stays well. We're playing at the we're playing at the parks on the twenty eighth against Oxford University. But um, again, that's going to be dependent, isn't it, on whether they can get enough preparation time in. So we could be, or we might not be. Okay, seventh is ours, so seventh um, of April. Oh, we're last, and we're, we've got. Um, I run a, a T20 day, which is on the twelfth, so that is um, at the end of our Easter holidays. What's that called? That's got to have a, a good name. It has a it has a very good name. Gareth, can you remember the name of it? Wasn't it the, the the South Coast Blast or something like that? Wasn't it? No, oh, nearly, nearly. Yeah. Smash South Coast Good. Smash. Slam. Slam. Slam, yeah, yeah, yeah good course. Sam, I love that. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm loving that. <laughs> but we're actually, we're actually not hosting it this year because uh, we're having a bit of emergency work done over the Easter break um, on the outfields after rugby, so um, it's going to be, uh, we're going to ha- have it run at uh, Winchester College this year, which will be lovely. Fantastic. Okay, well, fingers crossed for all of those games getting on and um, everyone wrapped up nice and warm and, and actually playing some cricket. I wanted to talk about uh, coaching, though. I wanted to transfer the conversation over to coaching. Um, I've been listening to a few different podcasts featuring a uh, very influential coach around the world called Mark Bennett, who is um, does a lot of work with his own company called, uh, I think it's PDS. And uh, he was talking a lot about what a coach actually is and what is the job of a coach. And, of course, in the past we thought, well, what's the job of a coach is to sort of you know, t- teach someone technique, I suppose, or, you know, teach them the game, if you like, if you want to put it another way. But um, a, a lot 
of thinking these days is moving more towards the idea of the coach making themselves redundant. And actually what you're doing is trying to create self-sufficient people who, who don't need a coach. You know, they, they kind of look after themselves. So um, I was wondering where you guys were in, in that idea of what a coach is these days, what they are, what they do. Yeah, I can see where he's coming from. And probably at times in my early career, that was what I was aspiring to. I suppose experience tells you that, that players utilize you, particularly experienced players, in different ways, don't they? So, you know, I, I still have the odd conversation, whether I instigate it or they instigate it, uh, with players that I've worked directly with a long time ago that I don't work with um uh, at all now uh, you know in actual throwing balls at them or hitting balls at them sort of way um, so I think the players generally still want a bit of that um, irrespective of you trying to make yourself redundant you want them to be independent thinking and acting cricketers absolutely but you know there's nobody on this planet that, uh, that doesn't need a bit of a reference point point. and even on something like leadership I, mean, I watched the Graham Smith thing last night that was on television it's on a heap of times on Sky Sports about making of a captain and it was really interesting to hear him talk about who he needed at different stages of his career or his captaincy career you know so even heading into to 100 um, test matches as captain he was still uh, requiring um, certain things from certain people but very much on his terms uh, him asking uh, them questions and because he was always looking to get better or looking for a bit of clarification or a little bit of confirmation that he was he was doing the right thing and you know Graham Smith's one of the probably the most dogmatic bullish people I've ever spent time with but even he was still looking to a coach for some form of, uh, of feedback or support. Um, so I don't think you'll ever get away from the fact that they they always look to ask the odd questions. So we're never ever going to be completely uh, out of out of a role or a job. That is for sure. But it does change with each person uh, and each experience level, I suppose. Yeah, of course. No one, no one's an island. You know, no one's completely on their own, and you, you're going to need input from different sources at different times aren't you and and having the ability to understand who to trust and who might be um not giving you the best advice <laughs> whether you like it or not that those are those are really good skills to have these days aren't they so yes it's, it's definitely a, a role for the coach even if somebody gets to that that level of well you know i know my own game inside out i know what i'm doing i know where i need to go because you know it's still you still can't have that external view can you you still have to have someone giving you that external view so i, I still think that's important Levis, where are you with this are you, are you do you do you think that there is um there is the role for a coach beyond the idea of look all we're trying to do is develop people to a point where they um where they don't need any more development because they're self-sufficient yeah I, th I think the um the general message is is kind of right in that we're looking people to looking to people to be able to manage themselves we want people to be able to make good decisions and also we want players to be able to look after each other so we, we don't necessarily want to be in a position where they're depending on us as coaches to think for them to act for them etc etc so that's 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 where we are but there is there is always going to be that as you said external view so even if you're just a set of eyes that's that's something that you are that the other person um that, that some people can't be and obviously there are ways of, of using technology to, to impact on that but also you can still have a lot of impact from 
your own challenge, your own questioning of people, your own um, presence. So I think there's a, there's a lot more to it, and, and this is something that has popped up um, quite a lot over the last four or five years. I've, I've seen people talking about um, making themselves redundant is the aim, and I think I've probably said it myself in the past, but I think that's just a um, probably a slightly... Um, extreme version of trying to get the message across and, and, and in reality it's, it's a little bit more simple than that and it's it's more a case of trying to create those free thinkers and people who can have some independence If the job is not is to create self-sufficient cricketers but you know that you'll never quite get there, you know most people are still going to need something even at the most advanced stage What where 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 does coaching sort of technique and being technical and being and that and that old fashioned coach where you tell people what to do where does that where did all that where does all that stuff fit into this new model I don't know whether it's particularly a new model though uh, I think we've got better at understanding the other aspects of the game haven't we over the years you know coaching when I first grew up was solely technical but but we we understand the demands uh, that are placed on sportsmen uh, much better than we used to um, where does it start and end? I would say, you know, having having good foundations is a pretty solid start, isn't it? But equally, you know, when you work, I remember working with Kevin Peterson at his very best, um, where he was, you know, averaging 70 in test matches. Um, and then uh, against uh, left arm spin in particular, his bat lift got too high um, and he lost control playing the most simple shots. Um, so we did some work on that, you know, and he was averaging 70 in test matches. So I don't think technique ever goes away. I think the question is, is, is identifying when you need to go technical with an experienced cricketer. And then also, how do you sell that? Because obviously selling uh, an idea that there's some technical work that was, was required, it actually only took us about five minutes, I hasten to add. Um, but that said more about KP than me, probably. Um, uh, but it's it's selling it's it's selling that across, isn't it? It's um it's painting the picture and getting them to accept that there's some work that that can be done, and and sometimes you have success in doing that, uh, and other times um you don't. Fortunately, in that occasion, uh, he he listened, and literally five minutes later, he, he clocked it on because he was so good at, at making little fine fine adjustments. In the same way as you, you listen to AB tour, I mean AB de Villiers scored a fantastic 100 didn't he in this recent test match against Australia it was basically the difference between the two sides and AB talks readily about him making very subtle uh, little uh, changes and adaptations to his, to his technique depending on how, how he feels or uh, depending on uh, a couple of good sources of information to him what they present across as well so you know technique's always there I suppose the question is is uh, how you salvage the idea how you um, approach it uh, and making sure that that technical thing is going to make a difference to an experienced player so whilst the foundations are important I think you know most people are, are always up for tinkering if it's going to have a, a positive effect that idea of starting with the why is, is more important than ever was because people can get information from so many different places and especially technical information start I mean that's that's the um title of a book isn't it uh, start with why and it's about it that's about exactly that i think it's a bit more business based but it is about exactly that that in order for people to to really 
um, buy into what you want. You have to tell them why why it's important, and they may not, you know, even even then they may not uh, go with you. But it's your job to start with the with the why, because then you can get onto the how and the what once you've got the why sorted. But until you do that, people are always going to look at you out the corner of their eye and think, well, is this is this you know why should I really be doing that? And that why question is important for players to understand as well, isn't it? To be able to say to a coach, which is a hard thing to do for some people to say what why are we doing this you know what's the reasoning behind it what's what are we going to get out of this if we go down this road and those are tough sometimes those are tough questions to ask but if you, i think if everybody understands the idea that you have to start with why are we doing this then it isn't necessarily the coach isn't going to get furious with you for saying okay but why are we doing this one of the things that fletch and i you know i I hate repeating myself, but this is a good repeat. Um, Fletch would always talk to me, Duncan Fletcher. Before I started with England, he said the best bit of advice I can give you is before you go in and talk technique or talk about a change or an adaptation into a player, think why you're doing it. And if you can give yourself three good answers, then it's a worthwhile intervention to be to be making. And, and whilst that was geared towards coaching some of the best players in the world at that time, which was incredibly valuable advice for me, it's a bit of advice that I've taken um, across into all my coaching, irrespective of whether it's a, you know, a 14-year-old aspiring player or, or somebody who's just starting the game. I think it's a really good um, a really good starting point, as you say, David, and certainly the way that Fletch presented it to me on that day has, has stayed with me ever since. The other thing I, uh, I'm, I was thinking that goes along with that is also present the question, why not? Because often we can just look at the things that come in that are positive to something and we may be causing other things that are going to be impacted along the way. And just make sure you're giving yourself that justification through asking both sides of the, of the question, really, why and why not? And that's hopefully going to establish... Um, a good decision as to yes I'm going to pursue it or no I'm not going to pursue it um, the other thing I was mentioning about um, the technical side of it is, is, is also there's that there's that gap where people rush in and they forget to get to know the person don't they um, and in doing that if you don't have a relationship with the person or you don't have a relationship with a group then that why question can't be asked because people won't feel comfortable to, to ask it as you said so even though technical development might be a big focus for some people, in order to effectively create technique and embed it in people and get them to really back, believe in it and understand it, there has to be an environment created beforehand that allows people that freedom and conversation and confidence within the group to, to question, to ask and to, to make sure they really understand why the process is being put into place. Okay, let's move on to the questions part of the show. And this week we've got one question again instead of two. Uh, normally we have a competition for the for the best question of the week, but um, we're going to go with one question again so we can really delve into it. Uh, and for anyone listening who wants to send in their question for a future show, you can do that by emailing coach at pitchvision.com. Capil's done exactly that. Actually, he used Facebook. We'll tell you about that towards the end of the show. But uh, Capil's got in touch with us anyway. And Capil says, Hello, I'm an off-spin bowler who's currently part of the Loughborough University setup. I have many variations, arm ball, carom ball, faster ball, and two different types of top spinners along with a normal off-spinner. However, I often overuse my variations. So I wanted to know how many variations should I bowl in an over? And lastly, if a pitch tends to be unresponsive to spin, what other ways are there to take wickets 
as an off-spinner? First of all, I would say that it is brilliant to have a, a wide range of variation. And the more you've got, the better. But you're absolutely right that making sure you're using them appropriately is, is kind of the next step for you and what you need to be thinking about. Now, having a, a group of variations, and just quickly, and David, you can probably help me here, it looks like you've got five or six variations. Is that right? Am I adding that Four, up correctly? five, six, yeah. Um, armball, if you include the off-spinner, yeah. So you have got, yeah, okay. So you've got um, you've got a ball, for, a, a variation for every ball, and and obviously the idea isn't to use one of those every ball. Those variations, in my opinion, are so that you're capable to bowl in a range of conditions, in a range of matches, in a range of situations. So just because you have these deliveries doesn't mean you have to use all of them every over or every spell or even every match. They're just there so that when the conditions or the position in the match arises that requires you to get the ball to do something, you're able to use it. So that would be my starting point, is saying you don't have to use all of them in every game. It's just great that you've got the opportunity because pitch conditions will change. Um, some will have effect in certain conditions and they won't have effect in other conditions. So um, understanding that they're not all essential all the time is, is my first point of port of call. Um, after that, I guess it's kind of narrowing down which ones are going to be effective and how the relationship between two variations works. So you might have a con uh, have a pitch where um, a conventional top spin and off spinner grips, whereas a side spinner um, doesn't grip and skids. And you can have a relationship between the two there. And it doesn't mean you necessarily need to bowl a carom ball to get the ball coming going on. You may be able to shape it through the air and use an arm ball, so you don't necessarily need to use too many variations to beat both sides of the bat. But I guess what you're trying to do is create an illusion in some way or try and find a way to confuse or beat the batsman um, and it might be that that needs one stock delivery and one variation and it might be that that has to be complicated a little bit more at times because you need more than one way to beat a batsman on a day but um, yeah don't don't go into it thinking I need to show off all my skills all the time in every match make sure you practice them you've got them prepared in, in every training session but certainly be thinking about when you arrive at a match, which ones are going to have impact and how they are linked together. So how does one variation work with another or how does a stop ball work with, with one of your options? I guess that's what the question is missing there, Gareth, isn't it? That that the context is is so crucial because if you bowl, you know, you're bowling to in one set of conditions against against a certain type of batsman, that's going to be completely different to bowling uh, in in different conditions against different types of batsmen. So the, to be able to give you a, a stock answer of well, you know, you have to bowl two variations in and over otherwise you know you're not a proper spinner that's just you know there's there's so many uh, except for this case except for that case except for the other case until so you get to the point where well that that number that you've come up with is a waste of time coming up with it in the first place yeah and i think i think it happens not just on the wickets that aren't responsive or don't grip i think it happens on pitches that spin miles as well and often you will see bowlers bowl better in first innings conditions and second innings conditions uh, when you know the, the sort of generic expectation is that they will run through a side in the, in the last innings of the um, of a game particularly in four innings competitions so um, the, the pressures are slightly different but also the way that the players 
play uh, second innings is also slightly different. And I think, again, going back to that test match and going back to A.B. de Villiers' uh, 100, the way that he played Nathan Lyon, who's been nothing short of magnificent for the last 24 months, was mag- was great because the wicket spun. You know, he bowled an absolute, complete jaffer to get to cock out. So what uh, what de Villiers started to do was was think not about hitting him straight, but just basically he reversed him, he swept him, he just played cross batted shots. So taking the the spin, the excessive spin out of the equation really by doing that, which then forced. Um, a line to go uh, quicker and often shorter and then he just smacked him through the offside off the, off the back foot from around the wicket um, so the challenge isn't just when it's unresponsive which is the last bit of your question uh, it's also about what how are you going to go about it and what are your best options on pitches that spin and against certain different types of players that will have certain strengths and certain areas of, that you can exploit but if we go back to it unresponsive wickets well you know it doesn't matter how many um, if you're bowling on an indoor centre which is skidding on it doesn't matter how many different variations of break off of the wicket that you can you can get what you're looking to do there is to be able to defeat people through the air so somebody like Daniel Vittori would be as dangerous if possibly not more dangerous on wickets that didn't spin because of his ability to to bowl the ball so differently paced and differently flighted with seemingly no change of uh, of action he was probably better on wickets that didn't spin because it brought the stumps into play a little bit more um, which brought his LBW and bold and his back pad catches offside and leg side into the game a little bit so it's about what you can do through the air and it, you say here that you've got two different types of top spinners well that sounds to me that they're top spinners that go through the air but you're judging that off of the pitch how can you mix in some of your side spin with your top spin to change the way that the ball goes throughout the air to change the perception of where the length is that the batter is then having to play because bowlers like Nathan Lyon that bowl with huge amounts of top spin Graham Swan uh, thinking back a few years ago the, the advantage they have is that when we watch the ball we watch it go out the hand then we watch where we think the ball's going to bounce based on how it's come out of the hand and if you've put a huge amount of topspin on the ball allied to a bit of side spin, often that ball is going to bounce in an area different to the one that we're focusing on uh, as a batter. It goes back to uh, how, how batters watch the ball. So we can defeat people through the air with topspin and also with drift, which again is what Nathan Lyon does. He, he draws people to play balls in different areas and they think it's going to be uh, bouncing purely by the way that the ball reacts through the air. So, you know, if you can get the ball to do what Daniel Vittori and Nathan Lyon does through the air and defeat people with diff, dip and drift, then you can take that anywhere in the world, whether the ball's going to break off of the pitch or not. And that's ultimately what the best bowlers in the world have done. Uh, when they've been successful going all around the world. So uh, how do we develop that? Well, we can do some stuff, outcome bowling. Take the outcome bowling out of it, bowl into a net, all right? Tape up the uh, the seam of the ball in a different colour to normal and watch it go through the air. So you're actually having a look to see what the angle of a, that uh, ball is like. So take the outcome out and then after you've uh, thought that you're getting different responses through the air, then bowl onto a pitch and see what happens bowl against a batter and, and get them to honestly give you feedback on whether they're able to pick the length and the line of it as uh, consistently as they could before bowl with a new ball 
uh, get the ball to swing and drift through the air. Bowl with an older ball that's that's got shine on one side. There's lots of things that you can do without even thinking about changing angle or changing where you bowl the ball on the crease or going around the wicket and all of those other things that you can do to try and make yourself more effective on un- unresponsive wickets. It's uh, it's that to me is the art of spin bowling. I mean, that's a really interesting inter- interesting discussion as well because. I'm a I'm a bit of a believer that you teach teach people to spin it in different directions, uh, or teach people to spin it in the right direction. Loosely used, obviously, there's the right direction will change day to day. But having the ability as a finger spinner in particular to spin the ball forwards, I think is more value in that than teaching them to get lots of revs on the ball. Um, and if you ever listen to Shane Warne, who's obviously a genius and knows a hell of a lot about bowling spin, but he always promotes spin the ball hard. And I think the message is a little bit lost there, where actually spin the ball in the right direction comes first and then spin it hard afterwards is a better way to go in my opinion um, whether you're an off spinner or, or a leg spinner because if you can control the direction the ball is spinning you're set to work on any in any conditions or create something in any conditions whereas if all you have is a lot of revs sometimes conditions won't necessarily suit and you're just stuck doing one thing that's ineffective it's a really good point there's a guy um uh, out in India that I work with in Mumbai who's an absolutely magnificent spin bowler um, and, and a great spin coach and, and he talks about if you can get uh, 80 revs per per second on a ball or you can get 40 revs per second on a ball but in but directed in the right direction then he'd prefer, prefer 40 um, and you know so I think that's a really good a really good shout and when you look at somebody like uh, as Jadeja, who's had a huge amount of success in in Test cricket, um, the the ability for him to deliver the ball at a reasonable pace, but with his uh, with um, the spin being directed uh, in an appropriate fashion, rather than being maybe a big spinning side spinner, uh, has given him so many wickets, particularly against right-handers who don't know whether the ball's going to be coming in or whether the ball's going to be breaking sharply off of the pitch. He basically threatens the front pad all of the time. I'd, I'd also say that was one of the big, one of the glaring differences between Ali and Lyon this winter was Lyon's ability to bowl with overspin and Ali's ability, not a lack of ability to do it to quite such a good extent. And people talk about Lyon being more controlled and more disciplined along the way as well as getting his spin but it's actually the dip and illusion he creates and the spin that he then generates with the overspin that that opens up his margin for error a little bit and gives him a little bit more leeway um, which stops him going for runs plus he has got great control and he's, he's, a, he's a very good spinner The other thing to consider is the word variation itself uh, when you're talking about the art of spin you get to a point especially I think with finger spinners where um, you know, different types of ball you bowl aren't necessarily even classed as variations anymore. You know, it's just a different. You've got a different type of stock ball depending on the situation. And yes, yeah, some days if it's turning more, you're going to bowl slightly differently for days when it's not turning as much. So, uh, I guess that word variations is an interesting one as well because you know I think a lot of spinners get into spin, get really into spin when they realise they've got all these tools at their disposal and they want to play around with them and experiment with them in different ways. But if you're mucking about with something and you haven't quite nailed it yet, um, then, you know, that's not going to be ever going to be your stock ball um, 
for the time being anyway. Uh, whereas, you know, if you're mastering it and you get into the point where you can control what's happening with the ball in the air and off the pitch as much as possible, then um, I don't even think you're going to call those types of deliveries variations anymore, are you? They're just different different types of stock ball that you can bowl. That's, that's a really good point. I used to do a lot of work with a guy called Mark Lawson. He probably both know a little bit of the thought. Um, and Lawson was a good leg, a really good leggy, and he's a really good coach now. Um, but um, at, at the time, he used to be on in and out or fringes of first-class cricket, and um, he'd also be playing Bradford League cricket on a weekend, and his stop ball would change from one day to the next. If he was playing Bradford League cricket, his stop ball could be a slider which would turn three feet and he'd bowl it at 55, 60 miles an hour as fast as he could because it would still stick in the pitch and still turn square. Whereas the same ball during the week would be skidding onto the bat and going for four through mid-wicket because it's a, just skidding on. So understanding what his stop ball was going to be in the environment and adapting that from day to day was, was a really key part of how he was going to bowl. And also the same ball was would do two different things. So establishing your stock delivery for the day I suppose which is what you're saying David is something that you do and, and Shane Warne talks about it a lot is he's, he uses his first three four balls to kind of assess the pace that he can bowl at and assess the delivery he wants to bowl and, and the sooner you can do that and you can work out what that stop ball is that's going to cause problems the better that spell's going to be and that is all we've got time for on the show this week. We're going to wrap it up there. Uh, now, normally we have a couple of questions, so we decide on a, on a winner. But, of course, we only had Campbell's question uh, this week about uh, spin bowling. So, um, Gareth, what do you think? Do you think um, Campbell's question was strong enough to win the prize or are we just going to keep it in the bin for another week? Oh, no, it's a strong question, that, isn't it? You know, I thought it was a good one, lots of good discussion. And hopefully he'll have something to take back to uh, Russell Cobb and Matthew Hoggard and the various other people that are going to be working with him up at uh, Loughborough uh, to at least start a conversation and to pick their brains as well. Yeah, brilliant. And that's an online coaching course from Pitch Vision Academy at pitchvision.com for... Capel, and then for other people listening to the show, Garras, who want to get their question answered and also have the chance to win the prize, how could they get in touch with us? They could give us a call on 0203 239 7543 or drop us an email on coach at pitchvision.com. That's correct. As I mentioned before, there are other ways to get in touch with us through social media. You can contact us through pitchvision.com. Just uh, find Pitchvision Academy account and send us a message there. Or you can contact us on Facebook, facebook.com slash pitchvisionacademy or Twitter at pitchvisionacad. You can listen to the show every week by subscribing. You can do that in your favorite podcast app by searching for Pitch Vision Academy. Tap on subscribe and you get that. Or you can go over to pitchvision.com slash academy and click on the podcast link for all the old shows, all the old show notes, streaming and downloading. That's all for this week. We hope you listen next week. But until then, have a good week. Cheers, Gareth. Cheers, Lavis. Cheers all. Thanks, guys. Bye.